Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hi, everyone. This is Eugenia Kuzmina from Bad Moms and Spice City. And if you want to level up your relationships, you should listen to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Thank you for joining. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down with Eugenia Kuzmina. Eugenia is a Russian-American actress, comedian, and model. Her father was a renowned nuclear physicist who was one of the first responders to the Chernobyl disaster, and her mother is a former scientist and now a housewife. Guys, it's going to be such an interesting conversation. There's so many things that she's been able to do, things that she's been able to appear in, uh, you know, alongside of people like Bill Murray in Rock the Casbah, and alongside of people like Mila Kunis and Christina Applegate in Bad Moms, Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. So many cool projects that she's been able to be a part of. And I also really like the fact that she's passionate about uh, comedy and writes and performs stand-up regularly at the Comedy Store and the Laugh Factory. Um, and then she has some cool hobbies like motorcycles. She does all of her own stunts. She speaks a couple different languages and she supports environmental causes all around the world. So 
it's going to be a really fun conversation. I can't wait to jump into some, uh, to, to some tactical things here with Eugenia. But first, really quickly, if you'd like to be a guest on podcasts or you're a podcast host and you're looking for better guests, then you should check out the software marketplace that my team puts together called Guestio. Um, you can go find that at guestio.com. Just browse through a list, a marketplace full of guests if you're a show and full of shows if you're a guest. Uh, that you can actually pitch and try to connect and then create some epic content together. So that's guestio.com. Be sure to go build your free profile today. Eugenia, what is up? Thanks so much for taking the time. It is about time we're able to make this thing happen. Hi, Travis. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm a big believer in building your network, honestly, and I love listening to your podcast. And it's interesting to know about Bestio. I think it's an amazing time to connect, you know, especially now when we're all online, I mean, a little bit less, but still, you know, the beauty of it is we can connect with everybody all over the world and do so many amazing projects. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. I want to jump right in to your story and build a little bit of context for people that are listening, because I find these have a super interesting story. So let's start back. Let's call it Seven, eight-year-old Eugenia, okay? So talk to me about what life looked like for you back then, you know, what your parents were doing and the way that you were raised and the things that you cared about at the time. Well, it's interesting. I actually grew up in food lines in post-Soviet Russia. So it's really interesting when the food lines started happening in Los Angeles in 2020, I was really familiar with that. So mm. I wasn't panicking, you know, and like buying all the things. I knew that there will be food in America, just had a feeling and, you know, knowing kind of growing up in the survival mode, I, you know, kind of went, tried to do what should I do for my family now? Yeah. And my, my mom, she, you know, gave up her career. She was a scientist as well, but because we had to wait in food lines for like hours with her, she really dedicated her time to raising us and giving us the best education. My dad was a nuclear scientist. He was the first responder to Chernobyl, worked with Kurchatov. If you guys watch this series on HBO, it's really fascinating. I think it's pretty close to what really happened. Mm. So a lot of times, you know, instead of like Cinderella stories, I would hear all about like compassion and taking care of people. And they were really, you know, devastated by the whole disaster and they couldn't spread the word of how much it affected, like how many areas it affected actually in that time because of the regime. I was a rebellious child, so always was trying to color outside the lines, which was not easy. You know, I was punished a lot for that in school and everywhere else, kind of uh, strict education, which gave me a lot of, you know, willpower, I think, and taught me a lot about like resilience. So I definitely see it as a blessing. And um, then like I was a professional ice skater at some point. It was pretty incredible. You know, I was there for, for the creativity, but I stopped pursuing it when I decided it's not really my path. You really have to focus and dedicate your whole life to that. And then I played tennis a little bit and, you know, was scouted in Russia when the companies from America, like M&Ms and Coca-Cola started coming and looking for, for girls to represent their brand. So that's how I got my first taste 
you know, entertainment business, really. Yeah, and I, I read somewhere that you did like the Russian version of SNL pretty early on. When 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 is when was that? How did that fit in? Yeah, so I was in school, and uh, they came to, to my school was in Moscow, and because of my dad, I got into a really good school. It was like in the center of Moscow, so a lot of people used to come there, like Queen Elizabeth, and were dancing for her. And one time, the producers came looking for kids, um, you know, to be part of the show, and it's SNL. It is type of SNL show, but kids are involved. It's called Yerlash. It was a really popular show at the time in Russia. So they were looking for, you know, like, I think I was like 10 years old or something around that. And they were looking for kids for like a mass scene. So I was cast in that. And of course, I love movies and storytelling, but there was never a chance for me to be part of it because it was really such a small world. And there were like four channels and, you know, like only kids of, filmmakers were in this business or like it was something beyond you know that anybody can be part of but I was really excited and it kind of you know stirred me to to pursue storytelling in a way okay so your main foray your entrance into the entertainment world was then through modeling yeah absolutely I um you know I was scouted a few times on the streets and then I was scouted to be with one of few designers in Russia at the time his name is Vyacheslav Zaitsev and it was a huge deal. Usually his models who work for him, they were regulars and they were really, really tall. You know, I'm a little bit shorter on the modeling side, 5'9", you know, which is a little bit shorter in modeling. It was at that time. So I don't know why he cast me, but he really believed in me. And of course, as a rebellious child, I wanted to skip school and go to sets and, you know, kind of have life experience and learning and that's how it started so i worked with him and then i was scouted to go to paris at some point gotcha okay and and any aspirations or inclinations toward uh toward college when you were done with high school or was it just kind of all in on the entertainment side uh you know i lost my dad at 15 so before that kind of when i was proposed to go to paris when i was 14 i think even like a little bit earlier it was all about like, oh my God, I can get out of Russia, you know, and they pay for my trip and, you know, we have an apartment and they will fly my mom in. So it was more about like traveling and getting out and broadening your horizon. And I did modeling for maybe a year just for fun, you know, in between school. And then I lost my dad at 15. So at that point, because my mom was not working and I have a little sister, I had to really think about it. You know, a lot of times going to college, you have to have that connection and network in Russia, especially in like, you know, end of 90s, like beginning 2000, it was a very interesting time, kind of like Wild West, you know, where you have to have your connections to get somewhere. And I knew that modeling was kind of like my ticket out where I can financially support not only myself, but also my family. And, you know, I had to think about it and made, made a choice. So it wasn't really about modeling or entertainment. It was just work. Do you remember a specific time growing up uh, where you realized that you wanted to get out of Russia? So I, I find it, you know, just really fascinating the, the, the way that you phrased that earlier about, you know, that this is my ticket out. And, and obviously I, I grew up here in America and I have always been, you know, grateful for the place that I was be, well, lucky enough to be born in, you know. Um, and I know that there are a lot of other countries around the world where that is not the case. Was that always the case uh, for you? Or, or was there anything that happened specifically that made you just kind of be like, I need to get out of here? Yeah, in some way, I was always a curious child. So I always questioned the narratives. You know, I questioned like, 
our history books and, you know, we grew up in communism, so our history was completely different from what it's like in the West. Mm -hmm. And also I remember, uh, you know, some American tourists coming for exchange programs and they would have like all these different points of view on life. And, you know, it wasn't only about material things, but just like a broader horizon. And then I remember watching the first Terminator at some point and sneaking in as a child, I wasn't allowed and that just ignited like all this, you know, colors to life that I, I wasn't able to have. And of course, my dad being a nuclear scientist, he actually went to Europe and America for conferences. And it's funny, like watching American films now, uh, a lot of Russian scientists, they were followed by the KGB and, you know, agents making sure that they don't get out of line. But my dad would always bring such interesting stories and, you know, different souvenirs and I think I remember dreaming about being a flight attendant at some point. So any way to get out and broaden my horizons and grow up of like one cultural setting was what motivated me. So Paris and modeling was that ticket out. And, and what, so what age was that? And did you go by yourself? Did somebody move with you? Talk to me about that experience. Yeah. So I went there first at 14 just to kind of see if it will work. I was scouted on the street and uh, my first agent, Natalie Crosscotton, who is, you know, one of the best agents right now in Paris, actually, with women management. She scouted me. So I came with my mom for summer. I stayed in this apartment with like five bunk beds and, you know, a lot of models coming in and out was a really interesting experience. And then when I lost my dad by yourself. No, I went with my mom first time for summer, but mm-hmm. at 15, I actually, when I lost my dad, then it was a decision like, okay, I have to finish my school by homeschooling. And thank God my teachers were okay about that. I don't know why, but, but you know, they let me do that. And I went to Paris full time by myself and I had to make a list in the apartments, know about my debts, know about taxes. And of course, coming from communist culture, we never learn about money or had any education in that. Sure. So yeah. it's very interesting to kind of jump into adulthood really early on. Did you already speak French? No, I didn't speak French. I think I, I actually had one teacher because I always loved friends. I was obsessed about friends and I even wanted to be renamed Coco Chanel. <laughs> I was like, you have to go and change my passport. I wanted to go to Apple Tower. So when it was like end of 90s, I was fascinated by, you know, by friends for some reason. And somehow it all came together. I think I took like a few lessons in French outside of school. But, you know, one thing is like when you just like study it and you don't know. And then I found myself in the studio in like photo shoot in Paris and nobody would speak English. And I just felt really isolated, you know. So that's how I started watching TV in Paris and really learning and trying to communicate and making an effort to speak like buying things in supermarkets and really immersing myself, you know, in the language, in the culture that I was thrown into. How many languages do you speak now? Well, you know, Russian, French, English. I speak Portuguese. I understand most of it, maybe more conversational because I used to go to Brazil to do fashion shows. And, you know, I understand Spanish and Italian. I think they're pretty close together. There's a lot of similar things, but it's not like, you know, I would go and translate some kind of things. Uh, so w- which one do you think is the, the most difficult one to learn of the ones that you've learned? I would say Chinese. I actually remember we took some Chinese language in, in school. There was like a, you know, a thing that you can take on the side. And I just remember 
all the calligraphy and they have like two alphabets for, you know, for the same language and it's just so different. So I think your brain, like it doesn't kind of intimidating for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you were pretty young though, when you learned English, I assume you guys learned English pretty early. We do, but it's such a different way to like learn English, standard English, you know, and the way phrases are comparing to like street English and like all the dialect, different cultural differences, you know. Yeah, I've heard that it, that that English is one of the more difficult languages to master because of that. There's so many nuances within the language itself. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's this is a, a side a side uh, conversation. I was just curious on on that language piece there. Okay, so you're back into your story. You are, you know, 15, 16, 17, living in Paris and modeling full-time essentially, right? So what happens next? I mean, what, what's the next part of your career? It was very interesting because I was really motivated by work, you know, a lot of times modeling, it seems like it's so glamorous. And I think sometimes you can get seduced by, you know, the outside part of it, like the glamour of the gowns. You never actually own it, but you, you're dressed into that. And a lot of times you are kind of alone you know you travel all the time so if time comes you go to party and kind of try to you know to bury yourself in that so I always was very focused on my career especially I knew that I had to get you know my sister through school and then my mom also had to take care I remember like going to fashion shows backstage and like taking all the food that models don't eat obviously you know hiding it in my Brought a bag or whatever. I, I imagine there's a lot of leftovers in those types of uh, food setups. There is, yeah, yeah. Some of my Russian models at that time, like their moms would come and like we would collect the food together. It was, <laughs> can joke about that, but um, you know, that was a thing for a while. And then I moved to London and then as a model, eventually you kind of have to move to New York because it's a center of fashion. And that's when, you know, like for big athletes, for example, there's like a certain place and for models, which is, I would compare to being an athlete, you know, you have to move to the center where everything's happening. So I moved to New York, got with amazing agent, Luis Matos, who actually started careers of like Gigi Hadid and like most of the supermodels who runs AMG models now, but I got really like he scouted by him and started really working, you know, a lot and making really as a career, not just survival you know mechanism so that was a huge step and how how old were you at the time at that point what year was this um i was like 21 Um, yeah this all happened pretty quickly in terms of time so from like from russia to living in paris at 15 to living in london a couple years after that and then moving to new york a couple years after that basically well you know at the time i think modeling career was such a short run it's almost like athletes like you know 21 is already you're like in the middle of your career and have to think about like what is happening when you're 23 like you're retiring or whatever you know now of course it's broadened a lot but there's a lot of you know a lot of things that happen like with age, I think, which hopefully will change soon. So yeah, 21, I felt like I've done so much already, you know, and it goes pretty fast with building your career and modeling. Like you're 15, 16, like you're on top. I was going to say like when you're, when you start your career at 15, you've already put in years by the time you're 21, when most people are still in college at 21 and haven't even started their career. Yeah, for sure. I had a lot of street smarts. I feel like worked in Japan, you know, in a culture which is completely different and you definitely have to know how to like pay your bills because nobody's taking care of you. So yeah, when I moved to New York, I was ready. You know, it was time where I felt like I was an adult, you know, I was renting my apartment, was investing in stocks and, you know, kind of 
taking responsibility for, for my life. Well, adult. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> This episode of the Build Your Network podcast will be back in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job descriptions, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. I personally love Indeed. It makes it easy to hire great talent. And according to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. That's right, worldwide. So start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash network. The offer is valid through March 31st. So what are you waiting for? Go to Indeed.com slash network and claim $75 in free credit before March 31st. That's Indeed.com slash network. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. This episode of the Build Your Network podcast is brought to you by Gusto, the all-in-one HR for growing businesses. You can get everything you need to hire, pay, manage, and support your hardworking team in one intuitive platform. You can automatically file and pay all state, local, and federal payroll taxes, do simple time tracking, time off requests, and more, and have access to a wide range of health and financial benefits and direct access to certified HR experts. That's just a few of the amazing tools that you get with Gusto. And right now, you can get three months free when you run your first payroll. All you have to do is use the URL gusto.com slash Travis. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash Travis. All right, let's get back to the show. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane so they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day which is why indeed's matching engine 
is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. At this point, what are the dreams? You know what I mean? Like you're 21, you kind of view your modeling career as potentially being like halfway done. Like, so what are you thinking at, th- at this point? You know, what am I going to do when I'm 30? What am I going to do when I'm 40, when I'm 50? Like, what are, what are the dreams? What are the goals that you had when you were really at the top of the modeling game at age 21 in New York? Sure. So, you know, first of all, having my like family of my own was out of the question because my doctors in Russia actually said I probably wouldn't have kids. So that was like put aside and I really had to focus on what I wanted to do. And I remember going to business school for a while online. So I would come from shoots and, you know, like finish, try to finish my degree online. And then I found out that I was pregnant. So that kind of changed the whole trajectory of things that were happening. But yeah, I mean, for a while I was, I, I think I took a gene from my dad to be like always creative and inventive. And I was like, okay, I'll invent this. And like, how can I broaden my career as a model as being like, invested in like part of the product and you know being a producer in that so I was new you know kind of looked at the careers of like Elle McPherson and girls who really made it you know further in their career and you know Cindy Crawford and you attach yourself to brands and you design like lingerie and I was always thinking about that not just being like a person for hire but what else can I bring to to the projects and maybe create my own brand things like that but things change yeah, it seems like it seems like you've done a significant amount of work around your own brand and and making sure. I mean, like just the fact that we're having an interview right now is, you know, there, there's I get a lot of pitches to for people to come on my show, Eugenia, but uh, very seldomly do I get actresses and models that are looking to to be on my show. So um, you clearly have an idea of what your personal brand means to you and how it continues to generate further business in your career. At what point did you decide to start picking up these other aspects of your career, you know, acting and, and uh, stand-up comedy, things like that? Well, that was just more of an accident than anything. Of course, I love movies all the time. Even in Paris, you know, that was kind of a thing that I love to do in free time. The thing is, I met my husband, who is a producer, and now he runs a studio, Miramax. So at the time, you know, it was interesting. It was a completely different world for me uh, to immerse, you know, to be around artists and all these incredible people. We weren't only talking about fashion, but we were talking about films and storytelling and art. And of course, you know, I felt just such an interest in that. And then when I moved to LA and had my kid, I just found myself in the center of, you know, entertainment town. Basically, that's the business here. And my agent at the time sent me to some auditions. I got the jobs. It was pretty incredible. And, um, you know, it opened a lot of doors. I don't think I was like that desperate, like, oh, I need to, to be an actor. I think it was just like part of where I was growing as a person to find a voice. And it just happened that, you know, I had a lot of friends who were directors or producers and 
we started collaborating. So that's really how I got to be in, in this business. What do you enjoy more? Modeling, acting, stand-up comedy? What, what do you really enjoy out of all the things that you do and the things that you continue to do? Well, you know, I enjoy working with incredible artists. For me, it's always a collaboration. Like you say, it's a network. You know, it's all about not really like the type of the project or the label of the project. It's more about creating something very special and meaningful for other people. Like whether it's a story that can affect somebody's life or it's maybe like a book, you know, that that can bring something new, like a message to the world or or a product or anything, you know, like stand-up comedy is an amazing way to to connect through laughter. And especially in 2020, I felt when, you know, we were in pandemic, like laughter was such a huge thing that I was really enjoying at, at some point, you know. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I'm just getting a little bit of a break from the uh, overall negative tone of the entire world. Has I watched a lot of stand-up comedy during 2020, I'll say that, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what do you think, what do you view as next? Eugenia, what, what do you view as like, you know, what's on the horizon for you? Well, it's very interesting because we managed to do a lot of stand-up shows on, you know, digital platforms, but also we did them with restaurants, kind of like outside of the box because the clubs like Comedy Store and Life Factory was closed. So we decided to produce the show with my friend Christine Peake, who is a PR agent for a lot of restaurants. And we're actually planning to uh, potentially do a show at Wynn Hotel or somewhere else in Vegas. So that's kind of the next project we're going to, you know, finish our deals there, which is really exciting. I think, you know, Vegas is definitely the center of live entertainment. It's the um, spot. I'm, I'm looking out my window right now at the Strip. So I don't know about me, but this is where I live. So, oh, so we have to show come happen, I'll be there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're probably going to do it with Zappos. Uh, hopefully not will work out, but yeah, definitely we'll contact you uh, for that. So that's really exciting. I just came from Turkey, you know, shot in 2021. In the beginning, was really lucky to have this project with Guy Ritchie and Jason Statham and Aubrey Plaza and Carrie Elvis. And um, it's a really fun, uh, you know, action film. And I'm actually so happy that I'm not playing Russian Spy. I'm finally upgraded to MI6. So it's exciting. Oh, nice. Nice. Did you you do the British accent for the MI6 or did you? No, you know, I was coming up with all these kind of stories. Like I came from Sweden and I moved to London. And then guy was like, no, 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 just be yourself. Like we'll find a justification, which is interesting. And I like it, like how people who think outside the box, you know, maybe like I have a story where I moved there and I work for, you know, for MI6. So that was very, very fun. And, uh, you know, finished right before pandemic, Spy City TV show that's uh, supposed to come out this year. It took a while to edit it, I think, because of pandemic and everything else. And um, it, it was very fun. I play actually a Russian spy with Dominic Cooper. Really interesting story. And then I'm um, currently practicing and rehearsing for the Fox show, which is called I Can See Your Voice. So we're, you know, in big rehearsals for singing and uh, filming it in a few weeks. So really exciting as well. Nice. That's awesome. Man, there's so so many things going on inside my head right now in terms of where I would want to take the conversation. But I feel like I'd be doing my audience a disservice if I did not talk with you a little bit about relationship building, networking, and how you have gone about, you know, creating the relationships that you have, which are obviously very extensive at this point. And I can't think of another industry where it probably matters more than potentially any other industry. And I don't know if you would agree with that, but I'll let you talk into it for a second. How important 
relationships been for you? You know, agents, producers, you know, people, decision makers, people who can open doors for you. How important has that been for the success of your career? Absolutely. You're so right in this town and in, you know, entertainment business and fashion business. It's all about uh, collaboration and being on set with people that you can trust and somebody you can trust that can deliver. There's so much at stake, you know, there's so much money involved. So you definitely have to, to work with friends a lot of times. And I think a lot of times people come to this town and they think, well, it's all about who you know, not what you bring, which I really disagree. I think it has to come from what you bring to another person. So I think it always has any kind of relationship has to come from your generosity and give rather than like take. Okay, I know this person, like, give me this and then I'll give you this. So I think you really have to kind of center yourself first and find out what are you good at? What are your skills and what can you give to a relationship? you know, and not what somebody else can give. And if you connect on that level and you are coming from a place of service, you know, it's business, of course, it's not, you know, it's great to have friends, but it is also business. If you, you know, establish your boundaries and be just very direct and honest, I think honesty and loyalty is like few qualities that are so important, especially in a business like that, you know, where yeah. it's so easy to jump like social climbing and forget, you know, who actually helped you at some point. I think it's really important to, you know, to be humble and connect to people first on that level. And then doors will open. Honestly, like there's the sky's the limit. Like I work with producers who, you know, maybe I brought them something before and they like remember you like five years later or mm-hmm. casting directors when you come and you just do your job, you know, it's not about like, okay, I got to you, like you're the name and like, I want to leech to you, you know, and like attach your name to or like name drop some people, you know, at the end of the day, nobody cares. Like, and also it's, you know, we live in a world where selfie is much more important. So I think it is a little bit harder for like, you know, for my kids, for example, generation to just really know that you have to take care of the other person and, you know, kind of really connect to them and listen to them and invest into what is happening with them rather than just like, okay, I'm attached to this person and that. So you've already kind of alluded to it, but I'm gonna ask it anyway, who you know, or what you know, Eugene, <laughs> which of those two do you think is the most important asset in life and why? Absolutely. What you know, and also the question why I like that you brought it, like why why do you do what you do? So I think it always comes from that. Like, why do you want to act? Like, is it storytelling? Like if you just do it for your ego, it will, even if it brings you success at some level, it will make you miserable. You know, that's why a lot of young actors can, you know, get into drugs because you just feel that emptiness. Like you don't know why you're doing something and somebody, maybe your parents like push you to this path and you just completely lost. So I think definitely what you do comes as the first thing. And then it is important, you know, to connect to other people and make sure that they trust you. So if you have those skills and what you do, then, you know, who, you know, will come automatically after. Yeah. They'll give you the opportunities, but the, 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 what, you know, allows you to capitalize on the opportunity when they're presented to you by the, who, you know, right. For sure. You know, like I give you an example, I was actually fired from first few films just because I, because of my husband, I was connected to incredibly like alias people who work so hard for their whole life. And I was presented with opportunities which were beyond like what I knew, you know? So I was lucky enough and I didn't realize that I needed that time and, you know, skills to actually be, be there. Gotcha. So so you said you were fired from those? Oh yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. I was fired from a few films. So so basically like you got the opportunity, but then 
weren't at the position in your career to be able to capitalize on the opportunity yet. Absolutely. Yeah. Or be like a valuable, you know, valuable part of the project that right, adds right. something to, to other people's skills. Uh, yeah. I love, I love, love, love that you brought that up just now because that's one of the things that doesn't get talked about a ton on the show, but I really appreciate you bringing that up just to say that like, even if you're really good at the who part, you still got to be good at the what. You still, you still got to know your craft and you still have to become a person of value. I, you know, it's funny, I was just having this conversation with my wife um, and we're talking about, about jobs and, and, uh, and opportunity and how to become a more valuable person and how important it is to consistently make yourself a better version of yourself because a lot of people will have, you know, one year of experience 30 times in a row, you know, so in their mind, they have 30 years of experience, but they just, in reality, lived with the same year over and over again. They haven't improved anything. They haven't made themselves better. They haven't, you know, learned anything new or perfected their skill set, and they didn't do anything to improve. So, and then they get upset when there's no new opportunities or they don't get the raise or the promotion or they don't get the job offer. They're not getting headhunted. They're not getting the next you know, uh, casting call, like they're not, they're not doing any of those things and they get upset about it because oh, I've been doing this for X amount of years. And it's like, well, it doesn't really matter how long you've been doing something. It matters how good you are and how good you continue to get and how quickly you can improve and learn and grow and shift into the person that's capable of doing the things that you want to be doing. Right? Absolutely. I so agree with you. It's definitely an internal job. And it's so funny because I live in the city in LA where like everybody's a bigger actor than somebody else. You know, there's always like yeah. that. So I think the artists that I really respect are those who change over the years. You know, it's so easy, like, okay, I got to this point, you know, and like now they cast me as this and they like pay me money because I've done this project. But like, if you don't grow, you just become really stagnant in your life. And I think, you know, you, you lose some kind of spark about, you know, your life. Yeah. I think it's always about learning something new. Yeah, lose a little piece of, of yourself along the way. Oh, sure. yeah, you know, people like Matthew McConaughey, who's, you know, just came out with his, his his book recently and did a giant podcast tour. And that was the big thing that I noticed about him that everybody talked about was his, you know, hold on the romantic comedy uh, space for so long. And then his decision to stop taking any roles that matched that specific, you know, type and how he went without work for a while after that. Even somebody as, as big of a name as, as he had built for himself still went without work because he was deciding to stop doing something that he became known for. So yeah, got to think that that's something that's important in every industry, but probably especially in the one that you're in. So Eugenia, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. This has been a lot of fun. I, it's a conversation I don't get to have very often. Uh, because the majority of people that come on are, you know, obviously just not ha haven't done the same things in their career that you've been able to do. So uh, this has been an absolute pleasure for me. Let's go ahead and move into the last segment. Some like to call the random round, just quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? Always fun. Yes, I love this. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? Detective. If you could sit on a park bench with somebody, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be? Gandhi. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? I ha We have like a collection of first cover books, you know, first editions. We have like a huge wall because I feel reading books makes you imagine things. So I, I like to work on that. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Uh, my kids usually wake me up like, at 5 a.m. and uh, my daughter has three birds. So they start shouting with like when the sun comes up, my dog runs in. And, you know, I have even if, I, if I'm not on set, then I kind of start them on Zoom school or 
take them, you know, to real school. And if I'm on set, sometimes it starts at like 4 a.m. or whatever the hours, you know, they, they really vary. Especially in photography, if I do modeling, the best light is like with, you know, the sunshine, like when it just comes out. Or maybe like the opposite, I have to work overnight. So it really varies. What is your go-to pump-up song? Call Me by Blondie. Right now I'm working on it for a show, so I'm really excited about it. What is something that you are not very good at? Cooking. My kids hate my cooking. They say they <laughs> never eat anything that I cook. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Okay, as we get everything wrapped up here, Eugenia, what's one place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most? You know, I answer DM questions on Instagram, Eugenia Kuzmina. A lot of times if people want to start in this business or, you know, they're curious about their career, what they can do in entertainment, I'm always happy to help if, if that's like a legitimate question or anything. Great. Awesome. Eugenia, this has been, like I said, total pleasure. I appreciate you so much for coming on the show. Guys, be sure to reach out to Eugenia. Say what's up. Tell her you heard about her here on Build Your Network. And then I look forward to the uh, the show that you guys put out here in Vegas. Eugenia, I'll definitely be there. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So exciting. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to TravisChapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.